0: On this edition of the Iowa Business Report.
1: They're doing amazing things because they have leaders who have an idea of what they think they need and the community supports those efforts toward that
0: transformation. Working together to strengthen our state is the purpose of the annual Iowa Rural Summit. We'll talk with the event organizer. Iowa is one of the happiest states in the country and that is a plus for workers. You'll hear about a new survey on the topic. And in our profile segment, proof that coaching works just as well in business as in athletics. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of March, 2020.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein.
0: Planning is underway for the fourth Iowa Rural Summit, sponsored by the Iowa Rural Development Council. Bill Menner is executive director of the group. We spoke this past Wednesday via Zoom. Our chair of our executive committee, Sandy Erick from Farm Bureau's Renew
1: Rural Iowa program, said to the, the executive committee, in 2016, we're wasting really good people in the room. We have some of the most powerful entities in the state and we're not leveraging them. And that's when the idea for the summit came up. She said, what if we bring people together and talk about solutions to issues confronting rural places? And um, so we kind of made things up as we went along. I was at USDA at the time. Um, We have some utility folks on our executive committee. Um, Folks from Iowa State and UNI are are there and uh, state economic development officials. And we kind of threw together that summit in Jefferson. The one key piece of that was we said if a community wants to come, they got to bring a three-person team. And we were really um, hard about that because we thought that it's important for somebody who comes to a meeting like this where there are lots of ideas, towns sharing their best practices, For them to go back home with some momentum already and the momentum of having a three-person team already on board, it was really important and it resonated with the attendees. So when we sort of did a survey, do you like the three-person requirement? They said yes. So year, the summit two in Grinnell and then summit three in Grinnell, we continued with that, but the summit kept getting bigger. We finally outgrew the hotel Grinnell in Grinnell. Uh, we realized last year when we had almost 400 people there we we simply couldn't do it in a centri- more or less centrally located rural community anymore and we also wanted to celebrate community colleges and doing it at hotel kirkwood which is on the kirkwood community college campus which is run more or less by students in their hospitality arts uh, and restaurant and food service by students in their culinary arts program We just thought it was a great way to recognize, celebrate, and learn more about the role of community colleges in Iowa by doing it on a campus surrounded by students who are learning their craft.
0: Having attended portions of this the last two years in Grinnell, I really find it fascinating how the individuals who come from a community dialogue with each other, connect with each other, and network with each other in a very different way than they might when they're back home. It has been such a unique thing from, again, my vantage point, and it obviously has to be gratifying for all of you, but there is something to be said for not only requiring that broader buy-in, but getting them out of the familiarity of the, the hometown where their minds might be limited by, frankly, what they see around them.
1: That, that's an interesting perspective. You know,
0: I think, let's
1: just say that we did a series of town meetings where we took a team to a community or brought other towns to share best practices. Yeah, you might have a different experience, but you put them in this, we'll almost call it a neutral playing field, a neutral site, with everyone coming to the table with ideas or issues or templates for success, and they don't always kind of hang out together based on population size they 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 wind up connecting with each other based on something they heard that was interesting or a topic that was of particular interest to them we have a whole we have nine different breakout sessions this year because we we heard from the attendees the last few years that they really want to dig into particular issues as opposed to a broad housing session or broadband or rural leadership. They want to, in some cases, get into the weeds because that's where they need to be if they're going to drive that issue in their town.
0: It has been my experience this is anything but a passive set of sessions where, yes, there are some large sessions where people take in the information, but you really encourage that active discussion, that level of people interacting with the experts that you bring in on a variety of topics, what are some of the seminars or sessions that you have scheduled at this point for 2020?
1: Again, a great point. And we've listened to folks from past years and we've actually reduced the number of plenary roundtable sessions. By focusing our breakout sessions on real life case studies, success stories, and not people who are talking theory, but instead getting someone, for example, one of our, we we have three tracks this year, facilities and projects, um, critical issues, and facing the future. The first session under facilities and projects is small towns and big projects, stories from the field. And we're going to hear from folks in Brooklyn, Iowa, about the Opera House down there. We're going to hear from West Liberty and their cultural center. We're going to hear from Casey, Iowa, talking about how they did a big downtown facade project. So it's not theory. This is the minutiae of how this particular town did this particular project. You know, there's another session later on in the day about the role of the arts, arts and making a, a rural community an exciting place to be. We have a session on healthcare, you know, and healthcare innovations. How do you assure healthcare delivery and access in small towns? I think that the important thing about these breakout sessions is that they're storytelling opportunities, but we leave lots of time for Q&A and the banter between the people who are in the room wanting to hear those success stories or case studies and those who actually experienced it.
0: What have you seen over the course of the past 10 to 15 years with regard to rural development? Is it getting the attention it deserves? Are people rallying to it? Is it getting the momentum necessary so that a state like Iowa can thrive and not just in a few counties where there's a large city?
1: Here, here's I think my my biggest takeaway is that rural development is happening in places, irregardless of population. So it's not the Grinnells or the Decoras or the Carols. It's not the bigger mid-sized cities necessarily that are doing it well. It's the places who have leaders with a vision and a community that's willing to support that vision. So you can have a town like Manning, population 1,200, or you can have a town like Bancroft, population 700, or you can have a town like Preston in Clinton County, you know, with population maybe around 1,000. They're doing amazing things because they have leaders who have an idea of what they think they need, and the community supports those efforts toward that transformation. You have a lot of towns that you may have problems, you may have potential solutions, but they have not been able to come up with the confluence of the public support and the leadership, whether it's it's elected leadership or civic leadership, making these things happen. But, but there are lots of places where the leadership doesn't exist, the vision doesn't exist, and the desire for change doesn't exist. And those are the places where the lights aren't on, and where the next generation is looking for places to live, they may choose not to go there. So people always ask me, is there going to be a bunch of ghost towns coming up in Iowa? And the answer is, yeah, probably. But those are decisions that are made at the local level.
0: Bill Menner is Executive Director of the Iowa Rural Development Council, sponsors of the fourth Iowa Rural Summit to be held April 29th through May 1st in Cedar Rapids. For more information, go online to iowardc.org. That's IowaRDC.org. Still to come, you're in one of the happiest states in the country and coaching businesses to perform better on their playing field. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
2: The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.
0: It's always good to hear positive news about Iowa, which is why a news release that caught my eye this week warranted a further conversation by phone.
3: My name is Kathy Morris, and I am the marketing manager at Zipia, a job resource site, and we're constantly trying to figure out, using data-based analysis, what's the right job for people, how to help people make educated career choices, and also just where is work-life balance best. Because I think that's the thing in this modern day of age where you can constantly be emailed, constantly answering texts from your boss. It can be difficult sometimes to achieve that optimal balance between work and living your life and doing things that maybe don't pay but are bring you joy. So we decided to find where in the country people are happiest. And what we found is that overwhelmingly the Midwest is the place to be to be happy overwhelmingly people in the Midwest typically have a lower cost of living, decently average wages, less hours worked and reasonable commutes. So why money can't buy happiness and a lot of these things may seem financial, you can buy comfort and why you may not be able to buy happiness. It's really hard to be happy when you're unemployed or unable to make your house payment or you're spending an hour a day in traffic.
0: And obviously, if you're worried about money, worried about not having enough of it, that is going to impact your overall happiness level as well. Let's talk specifically about our state of Iowa. We ranked overall number eight in the country, but let's talk about some of the specific factors, please, that led to that overall very nice rating.
3: Yeah, Iowa performed exceedingly well. A median household income of $59,000, which is above national average. And when you look at the cost of living in Iowa, which is very reasonable, you can see how people might be able to afford to spend a little bit more on their hobbies, buy a few things that bring them joy. Also a factor that was a huge thing for Iowa was the low commute. The average commute for Iowans is 19 minutes and that's about 14 minutes shorter per round trip than the average American commute. And if you're like, well, 14 minutes isn't very much, when you look at it over the year, that adds up to 52 hours saved.
0: I was going to say, literally, that's an hour a week that you've saved by not being in the car, as opposed to if you were living and working in another part of the country.
3: Exactly. And you can spend that 14 minutes a day or hour a week, maybe taking up a hobby, going on a bike ride, spending time with your family, just whatever brings you joy.
0: So let's say I am an Iowa business owner, or I'm looking to expand into the state. What benefits do I see from a survey that says Iowa is the eighth happiest state in the country? How can I leverage this to business advantage?
3: Happy workers contribute to, to a company in so many ways. People are happier. They're happier at work. They're more pleasant to work with, which I think is important, as we all have been in workplaces with you now. I would almost say this study says more about workers than companies. If you're a worker who's looking for a healthy work-life balance, a place where you're going to have a decent paycheck that will go a little bit further than other parts of the country, if you're looking to spend less time in the car and more time on things that matter to you, Iowa is a place that workers should definitely consider.
0: Kathy Morris is marketing manager for Zipia.com. That's where you can find more information about their Happiest State Survey. Earlier this year, they noted that Iowa was actually the second best state in the country for millennials. Up next, coaching for business. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org.
0: In this week's profile segment, meet Heather Marquez of Action Coach Mind Links, based in the Cedar Valley of Iowa. As I learned when we talked earlier this week, coaching is very different from training.
4: So I come from a retail background of 25 years where I had a lot of opportunity to do operations, HR, loss prevention, pretty much everything you could do in a business. And then the last 10 years I was part of that. I was also doing a lot of leadership development, team development. Um, I was in charge of executive development And I found that I really had a passion for it, loved it. and I was really good at it. Um, And as my role started to change from the people development, the team and leadership focus, and really more on the operations, although I love that side, it just wasn't quite where my purpose and passion were going. When I first started, my focus was really on helping women in leadership positions and in businesses close the gaps. Because I'd read the American Express study where women businesses in Iowa were the last in the country for a lot of different things. I also found I was so focused on leadership development that the business owners that I really felt strongly that I could help weren't in a place where they could think about leadership development because they were still in the day- to- day chaos of trying to get systems in place and get their hands around managing their time and cash flow, all those pieces that you really need to have some stability in before you can genuinely focus on building your team. And that is what took me to joining Action Coach and becoming a franchise partner with Action Coach. It sort of marries the best of both of my worlds. I get to use all of the leadership, influences, information, education that I've been able to build up over the last 10, 20 years and marry it with my operational background on the business side. So it's not just let's build leaders, it's let's build metrics and measure things so that we can make sure that there's a return on investment every time we are spending money on training, development, coaching. And so it really became an opportunity for me to use the best of both worlds that I had been in.
0: You term what you do being a business coach. We have talked to people for this segment who call themselves trainers. Other phrases are consultants. Distinguish what you do as a business coach from what others may do with some of those other descriptions.
4: That is a fabulous question, and I talk all the time about that because there is such a meshing of terms which makes people think they understand a concept and they're, they're completely on the other side of it. So um, some of the common terms that get meshed with coaching are counseling. Counseling is more dealing with those past experiences and helping you move through some traumatic experience to come out on the other side. And then there's consulting. Consultants are individuals who generally come in. They have an area of expertise. They evaluate they tell you what to do, how to fix it. Sometimes they come in and fix it for you, and then they leave. Um, a mentor is usually someone who has an expertise or a very high level of success in a very focused area that you need to grow in. So when you reach out to a mentor, it's somebody that's highly respected for that particular knowledge, and you're tapping into them and, and gaining knowledge from them, gaining guidance from them in those situations where they're the expert. A coach, on the other hand, is someone that they don't necessarily have to be the expert in your industry. What they need is a variety of tools and resources and to be able to ask you the right questions so that you find the answers that are right for you. So coaching isn't about telling anybody what to do. It's about asking them the questions that help them get clear on their next steps and help them dig deep enough that they can understand when they're getting in their own way. The difference in any business owner between $50,000 a year and $250,000 a year is self-sabotage. That's exactly the difference. Mm -hmm. And as a coach, we help individuals, and in my case, I work specifically with business owners and leaders, we help them identify some of those particular self-sabotaging behaviors through questions. Um, Sometimes it's you set this goal for last week. You didn't hit it. We've set that goal four weeks in a row now. What's causing you to not hit it? Is it not so important anymore? Or is there something else getting in your way? And a lot of times when somebody's setting a goal, and they're just not hitting it, it's because there's a component missing. It could be clarity, it could be priority, importance, or it could be their mindset. It could be those little voices in their head telling them they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they don't have the right timing, whatever the case. Those are the things that people tend to listen to their chatter, and as a coach, we help people get past that chatter and really see the situation for what it is. Now, the other piece you said was training. I also do training. And for a trainer, it's taking a particular body of work and helping equip individuals with that new skill, knowledge, ability. And so I blend coaching and training in that my goal every time I work with a business owner or leader is not just to ask them a lot of questions, but also identify where those gaps are in knowledge or skills and pull my resources, multiple certifications, into the picture where I'm equipping them with something that they can then go back and use after they're finished working with me. They can go back and use it with their team. So it's sort of the concept of if you give a person a fish, they'll eat for a day. But if you teach them to fish, then they'll eat for a lifetime. And that's really what the mix of coaching and training does. For me, it really is about starting with a business owner who is wanting to grow but feeling stuck, feeling frustrated by some aspects, not necessarily meaning that they're not successful, but they're very growth-minded and they're feeling stuck at a particular level. And working with them to a point where they start to have some really awesome epiphanies and awakenings. And being able to be a part of that and help people experience that is incredibly rewarding but also you know at the end of the day it just comes down to helping them be the very best version of who they're meant to be and that's part equipping part coaching.
0: Heather Marquez of Action Coach Mind Links based in the Cedar Valley. Learn more online at heathermarquez.actioncoach.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. Next week, the possible impact of the COVID-19 virus on tourism and business generally. That and more next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week.
2: The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, sponsors of the Taking Care of Business Conference in Cedar Rapids in June. Follow ABI on Twitter at ABI and online at IowaABI.org.